Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, how's everybody doing this week? David Hall. Hello, hello. Greg Hectus. Hey, everybody. And Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, well, welcome, guys, for episode 250. Wow. And with that, party hats? Do we get party hats and everything? Yeah, set off the fireworks. I'll have to download. <laughs> I'll have to download the little party streamer sound. Woo-hoo. All right, two fifty. Um, now I number the episodes with four digits: a zero, two, five, zero. Always knowing we're going to eventually get to one thousand. But uh, we were just doing some math, Brian, and that might be a long time from now. Wait a minute, you guys were doing math? Yeah, I guess uh, fifteen to twenty years it would take us to get to episode one thousand. <laughs> it's, oh, you man. Know, it's, it's 52 episodes a year, right? So five years to get to 500. And then I'll another five years and another five years. I don't even think there'll be podcasts by then. We'll be on this new Brian's new crazy uh, rig thing. will be done by then. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're going right into stories. But stories are sponsored by Schoolyard Setups. Struggling to crawl in the top 10 in Road to Pro? Always in the back of the Xfinity or can't find that extra 10th to compete in the NIS? Visit schoolyardsetups.com to get race-ready setups for the A, B, and C each week. Enter referral code 207124 when you sign up to make sure that iRacers Lounge uh, is the one that told you about it. Uh, don't get bullied around the track again. Get your setups today at Schoolyard Setups. And I tell you what, I raced uh, their setup today, and I was kicking butt, leading laps, running top 10, and very happy with it. So, uh, yeah, good good stuff. Check it out, guys. So we kick off the news with member highlights, which is a video dropped by iRacing recently. And uh, we're this one gets a, a special mention because it features one of our favorite members of the community, Annie from Snell Racing. Yeah, there's a bunch of good videos in this one for sure. Yeah, that was really good. I, what's the difference between these and the, um, you know, the iRacers top 10 list? It's not a list. <laughs> <laughs> they have so many that can make multiple things, I think. But, uh, yeah, this was a good video to watch for sure. Uh, six minutes long, too. But, you know, the the usual close quarter racing, you know, coming to the line side by side for the win and, you know, edging by an inch uh, in these uh, open wheel cars. Uh, really fun to watch. I think they're at Barber maybe. And uh, uh, what a race. And the, Annie, and the Annie video, it showed her coming off the grid on a standing start where, Cars are going left and right and spinning in front of her, and she's like weaving and bobbing and getting through there. And of course, uh, you can see the anxiety on her face, which makes it kind of fun to watch. Yeah, she did a heck of a job getting through that. That was crazy. I don't even know how she she saw those cars coming. And then, of course, Bathurst with the supercars, uh, you know, going down the hill, trying to, you know, side by side going into that real, uh, those S's that are real downhill, uh, and they somehow don't touch. That's that part of the track. You're just you're going downhill. The cars are so heavy. You're basically riding the brake as you're going down, trying not to spin out, trying not to hit the wall. It's that track is just one of the most inhuman tracks there is. 
it's not a passing zone. I don't. know. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's just not a passing zone. They're, they're, you basically try and get through there to set someone up for the big straightaway. You want to stay on someone's bumper, but you know if you can go side by side through there and not, uh, you know, not collect the wall or something. Good on you because it's probably one of it's probably one of the quickest right, left, right, lefts you get in a race. Well, and, and that left hand, you're basically just kind of diving into a little corner, hoping the track will sling the car around. Uh, my favorite is the Talladega one, of course. Uh, Douglas Newbigging, uh, four wide finish and win for Douglas. And, uh, you know, it's your typical, you know, race to the checker um, at Talladega and who can get to the line. And there are four, four and five wide and, and he just barely edges them. All right, guys. So uh, our next story that's up is uh, iRacing posted that there is a massive weekend of iRacing events on tap. So uh, let's go through some of this stuff. This is all this weekend. Um, the Porsche Tag Heuer uh, Esports Super Cup All-Star Race is Saturday at 745. You know, their season just wrapped up. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, the Porsche Esports Sprint Challenge is going to be Sunday at these 9 were, in the morning. One thing, Brian, these were all last weekend, actually. Oops, that was all last week. Yeah, so it's just, they had a lot going on. I thought we would talk about it just a little bit about, you know, how it lined up. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go through what was what was last weekend then. That's no problem. They also had the Tag Hour uh, Super, Esports uh, Super Cup. Um, they had the IRX Invitational, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later too because there were some uh, stars in that race. Um, the IRX World Championship uh, next uh, round was in that, and the uh, IMSA, the IMSA Triple Crown Challenge was Sunday as well. Yeah, I think it's been one of the busiest uh, event weekends we've had, uh, especially on the roadside, and uh, in, in as long as I can remember with that IMSA Triple uh, Cup and so forth, and then all these other things going on, uh, there's a lot going down. Of course, I worked and missed most of it, uh, but I thought we'd mention it. And then, Tony, uh, why don't you take over and tell us about who won that championship uh, Super Cup? Yeah, um, absolutely. That would be uh, Mr. Sebastian Job. He is the 2020 Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup champion. They really should do something about making these things a little shorter. Um but the title was sealed up with uh, 10 minutes to go in Heat 1 when his closest competitor, Josh Rogers, was spun in the S's uh, at Monza, officially putting him out of the reach of your newly crowned Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup champion. Man, try to get that out in one breath. Um, yeah, this, I, I, I guess, kicks off our... Uh, um, topics of uh the big roadside weekend last weekend well and the thing was is uh josh rogers in that uh race he had to win pretty much everything for it to do anything for the championship uh hopes at all but uh all sebastian had to do was just stay with him and he was right behind uh, uh josh when all that incident went on and uh you know, you kind of felt with it. It would have liked to seen it come down to the last because it was in one of the heat races. It, it would have been nice to see it come down to the last actual race, um, see them get to do it. But, you know, he wrapped it up pretty early in that event and was able to just race, I guess, 
take some weight off his shoulders. Yeah, the incident with uh, Josh Rogers that really kind of took him out of the running. Uh, I got a replay of it up on my screen, but uh, basically they just stacked up and going into the corner, and he kind of ran into the car in front of him. The car behind him ran into him, and he got spun as a result and lost a lot of all that track position, and that was all it took. All right, well, congratulations to Sebastian Job. Uh, we're going to try to get him on after the Coke series is over. But until then, we'll be talking to Evan Pasoko. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. As, as, uh, as usual, it's good to be back. Well, absolutely. And uh, let's talk a little road racing. Uh, we kind of have a theme going this week. We just talked about all the uh, road course events happening over the last, last weekend, but then wraps up on Tuesday with you guys at the Roval. Uh, first off, before the race, we had a pretty nice hype video that uh, iRacing put out. Yeah, and it was tricky to film that as well, because I think the initial plan was uh, to f get everybody together and do like a playoff media day, kind of like we did earlier this year in January. So it was a little bit of uh, touch and go, <laughs> trying to get all the Zoom stuff to work. And uh, we were able to record that last week, so it was uh, ready in time for this one just to, to mix things up. And, and we'll be doing another similar uh, you know, versions of that over the course of this round, and, and then we'll do something special as well when we get to Homestead. Okay. And then in qualifying is really the big story to set up this race. And as expected, uh, Bobby Zelensky got the pole, Keegan Leahy on the outside. Um, and no surprises there, right? No, we're not shocked. And, you know, Bobby continues to impress. And this is one of those races where if you're fast in Q, you're fast in the race. You know, I mean, we saw a lot going on kind of in the mid-pack areas, um, but we really didn't see uh, any of that up front. You know, everybody but Conti, who, who had that issue, um, that started in the top 10, finished in the top 10. Um, it was pretty consistent, and because of the race length for this one at 55 laps, there wasn't much kind of leeway on strategy either, so it just came down to who was the fastest, and, uh, you know, Bobby was was pretty resounding um, in getting a, a sixth one in a row that uh, he's pretty untouchable, to be honest. <laughs> this, uh, Mike, I was just going to say here, this race kind of resembled the Daytona race, just with the way the whole thing played out. It's it was, you know, top 10 was the top 10, right? Yeah, and, and the road, you know, the Daytona road race um, was a little bit more of a question mark, which this race was last year, right? So I thought that if there was either of these races that was going to be kind of chaotic, it would have been the, the Daytona road run, but they were both pretty uh, standard, um, you know, no no big bits of contact, you know, that, uh, notably in the championship when it comes to guys wrecking into each other or big chaotic moments like that. So um, it just goes to show you, you know, I saw some of the telemetry stuff that some of the drivers were posting after the race when you're doing 40-something hours of practice. I think it shows. Yep, and a lot, a lot of uh, action like we usually see in the ovals, but we're going to go through what we did see. Uh, 41 got spun early in the bus stop. They got kind of stacked up. Not much damage there. Um, lap seven or so, the top three were gapping everybody else, so they kind of separated themselves from the pack. Uh, big championship implications, though, for a driver who likely uh, had this race circled for a good result, and that's Mike Conti, who finished 37th tonight after a misshift on lap 10 and blows the engine. I wonder if he had a Fanatic shifter. 
well, that's the uh, that's the only big uh, point of drama that we saw really all race. You know, I mentioned that these guys were very disciplined. There weren't championship guys getting into other championship guys. Um, but you blew it. I mean, and this kind of ties in with, you know, we're talking about the use of, you know, guys on the H pattern and using the sequentials as if you're probably on the paddles, you're at a less, less likelihood of missing a shift. Um, and, and I think he just, I, he said it, it went out a second. Um, I don't know if he, you know, he missed it on the, on the upshift to third, went back down to first, or if he just wasn't fully in second. But, uh, I mean, that's, you know, an incident, uh, there's no recovering. I mean, the engine's gone, he's done. And, you know, I talked last time when we were kind of previewing this, that, that Conti is, was kind of that second best or, you know, in the top three or five of the road guys in this. So this was a race that he wasn't thinking that he had to survive there, right? He's like, I'm going to get a lot of good points and I'm going to be great going to Kansas and Texas. And now he probably needs a win at two tracks that I don't think he's won at before. Yeah, and a uh, little lull in the action there, and we end up talking to Clint Boyer, who joins in the podcast with you and Steve Letarte, and uh, and Steve kind of interviews uh, Clint, you know, asking him about his retirement and such forth. But first thing out of Clint's mouth is uh, about the iRacing racing races. Hey, where is the rain? <laughs> yeah, and it's and we were joking, uh, me and Steve, even before the race. I'm like, Steve, the one thing that we're going to be good with is uh, we don't have to worry about rain. And obviously, that was the storyline for the weekend uh, in the cup race. I know it wasn't as uh, crazy uh, in the cup, I guess, as, as we saw in Xfinity uh, earlier on Saturday afternoon. But um, yeah, we don't have that. Maybe one day we'll be talking about Coke Series races in the rain, but that was not uh, not this time around. And and I know that's a, you know, a project. I don't know how that works in with, uh, you know, it's an oval series and, and whatnot, rules-wise and all that, uh, as far as, you know, the, the NASCAR is officially an, an oval series. So I don't know if that would even be something that would be a thing uh, when we do get rain on the service. I think it's a when, not an if. But, um, yeah, no rain. So uh, that was uh, a, a different factor for sure. I mean, that meant that there wasn't really any big question marks, right? I mean, nobody knew what was going to happen going into the cup race we we had a pretty good idea of, uh, of what we we're going to see. Yeah, and great to hear from Clint, who's going to end up on Fox, working with uh, Steve, who's on NBC, and those guys working together. Uh, pit stops were kind of next. Uh, lap 25, uh, starting as we were getting close to halfway. Um, it didn't look like people were doing uh, two-stop strategies based on the timing of that, but Leahy ends up pitting from third on lap 27, and then 28, a lot more pit including bobby who somehow retains the lead throughout the cycle yeah it's funny he does that because we were kind of stressing you know the the i don't think the undercut was really going to win somebody the race but if it was i've been stuck behind this guy i can't pass him then if i go for the undercut i get in front of him and and maybe i allow my speed i don't think it was going to be the undercut that um you know gave me that much of a strategic advantage i think it was just a track position thing because it's like five four to five seconds of fall off um, you know, first lap to, to 25 or so lap old tires. But uh, Bobby didn't seem rushed uh, to get himself down to the pit road. He just kind of took it easy, did his thing, and um, stayed stayed well in control. So I think on the stat sheet, I would have to double check. But normally you have guys like Bobby who dominate a race, and then they, they don't technically lead all the laps because, you know, there's pit cycles. But uh, I could be wrong, but I think he did. he does end up leading all of them uh, on the stat sheet. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, and then uh, lap 28, I noticed Clampett hit the wall pretty hard, but kept on going, kept his spots. But uh, after that, we kind of get into the face cameras and uh, seeing the concentration on the road course is a little different than what they look like on the oval. Yeah, and we were comparing it. You know, some guys uh, were, were pretty laid back talking to people. Other guys were, were really tense. Um, some guys were, were talking a lot. Some guys were not. Um, and the biggest thing that I enjoyed, you know, because we always compare those things, the difference in the setups and kind of how the drivers look and whatnot. But uh, the, the, my favorite part was kind of picking apart if they did any hardware changes. So swapping out the stock car wheel for a formula wheel or, uh, you know, using these, uh, the paddles instead of the typical H pattern. So that was kind of my favorite thing to see who was mixing stuff up. All right. Lap 33 of 55. The running order then was Zelensky, Mullis, Leahy, Ottinger, Clampett, Lowe, Vincent, Kerwin, Schallener, Luza, Nichols, Lyon. The biggest mover so far was up 16 spots from P32. Uh, up to 16th was Brandon Reynolds had a, a great run going. He did. There was a couple of drivers that I was really impressed with. You know, they're not going to be the names up uh, in the top 10, whatever. Um, you know, but like Corey Vincent, I think he gets underrated a lot. He snuck in there and, and got a, a top eight out of it after qualifying inside of the top five. Um, you know, I, I know Ray Alfala didn't do great. He finished exactly where he started 24th, but this was a race that he was really not looking forward to. So, you know, those drivers who aren't the road guys, but put in a lot of work and just kept the car clean, right? Didn't rack up the incident points. I think, uh, accomplished their mission. We had 36 of the 38 cars finish the race. And one of those that didn't was Brian Schoenberg, who had a connection issue. So really only Conti is the only guy that doesn't make it to the end. And it wasn't even a rack. It was a blown engine. So uh, very disciplined. And you could tell that these guys put the time in. Okay. And Michael Grigula, he brought a new sponsor. I noticed Fistful Bourbon. Well, I haven't touched bourbon in 20 years, but that sure looked tasty over on the Jim Beaver uh, eSports car. But uh, the next talk was Jimmy Mullis kind of comparing Bobby. It was in a class of his own saying he's in the prototype and the rest of us are in the GT cars. Yeah, that would have been timely uh, for the Daytona road course race, too, um, as well. And then I was able to tie in an IMSA joke um, with that one. I mean, like like Bobby isn't just, you know, good in this cup car. And typical wisdom would tell you. You know, even if you are pretty good in a road car like he is on the sim, that's not necessarily going to translate speed in one of those cars into speed in a stock car on a road course because they drive totally differently. But it's because he's so good at both um, that, I mean, he could win every single road race that he ever participates in for the next four years. Because it's not like... You know, second place is is three seconds off after the race or four seconds off after the race, where maybe if we ended up at a race like they used to be at Sonoma, where we could get varying pitch strategies. If it was that close, we could say, well, somebody could pull the strategy card and get him. And he's so far out in a different zip code that it's to the point where you're not touching him unless he has a problem. And he didn't. So, uh, but as we get down to 10 to go, it was trouble for Malik Ray, who spun between turns five and six. Nick Ottinger is tracking down Keegan Leahy for P3. But uh, moving into 17th, Zach Novak has the most spots gained now. Uh, he started 34th, and that's a 17 spot advantage. So, good run for Zach, too. Yeah, he was doing a real good job. Um, you know, and obviously he's disappointed because he's not. Funding for a championship like he was at this point last year. 
Um, but he's still trying to stay above the top 20. So that's awfully uh, critical for him. So, uh, you know, those are the guys that we don't talk that much about mid-pack on the road courses, but, you know, I think for them just to not blow it um, is big because now you get into three intermediate tracks to the end of the year um, where, where those guys can have a better expectation of what they can do and, and kind of control your own fate. You know, you can't really blame it at this point on a Daytona or a Talladega because you'll have three pretty standard racetracks to, to get an idea of what's going on. Yeah. And then Ray Alfala, uh, P 24 at that point during the race, uh, he was getting lapped by his teammate. Um, he's going to have to pick up a lot on these ovals to make up for that. Uh, but then on the other hand, Ryan Luza, uh, a good run for him. Uh, it was his best career road finish. He was looking at a P 11 at that point. And that's obviously a big up for Ryan because, you know, he's also somebody who's never uh, been a huge fan and he still loses positions. I mean, he's going to come out of this race, I think, as the first driver out of the top four. I think he's like two points to Ottinger or something. Nick Ottinger also kind of gets uh, under the radar when it comes to how consistent he is as a top five, top ten car on the road courses, uh, but loses a guy who wasn't. Uh, you know, expecting a lot out of this race. And I think to stay within two points of the cut line, uh, I would say from his perspective, he's got to be thinking mission accomplished. Yeah. And then Ray, on the other hand, he's probably sweating bullets. Yeah. I mean, he didn't wreck out of the race, right? So, so it could always be worse. Um, And he just tried to survive the race and he did survive the race, but he's, you know, closer to 20 points out. Um, And I wouldn't put him in the category of needing a race win to move on yet. Um, but if he's not a top five car um, at Kansas, then I'd, I'd say that he needs to do it at Texas. There you go. And so, of course, Bobby Zelensky wins the race. Uh, he did not make any mistakes. Uh, and then it was Jimmy Mullis, Ottinger, and Leahy that ran out the top four. Um, and then the points, uh, of course, Michael Conti with the blown engine uh, is dead last on the uh, out of the playoff guys, and then Ray Alfala seventh, Garrett Lowe sixth, Michael Luza fifth, and the top four going from the top: Bobby Keegan, Jimmy Mullis, and Nick Ottinger as they ran on track. And now you know, just you know, you mentioned the road course guys, or not the road course, the playoff guys. Sorry for the road course race where they finished. If it wasn't for Conti having the problem you'd basically have all your playoff guys in the top half of the field, which is what you expect, right? I mean, they're the fastest cars, but you know, they were most of them didn't have problems. So aside from Conti and aside from Ray, I mean, it is extremely tight. Obviously Bobby's locked in. So two through six though, very tight. Ray and Conti are the guys that are going to have to be worried, but um, you know, I just was impressed um, on the road course where you typically see, a little bit more separation and, and, you know, maybe the playoff guys aren't necessarily the best eight road racers in the series. Um, I, I was just so impressed with how much time everybody put in. I mean, I mentioned some of the stuff that the guys were posting on social, you know, hours and hours of, uh, you know, track time and hundreds of laps. Um, and it's an interesting thing as well that we aren't really used to having to deal with at this time of year guys is that for the rest of this playoff, you know, we're racing every single week. So they don't get, you know, that two-week buffer, a week off to, to get some extra test time in or maybe to take a break before you kind of get into it. Um, if you are in the championship four, you are going to be tired <laughs> at the end of this month um, with how much, you know, seat time these guys are going to be putting in. 
Yeah, I got to say I'm impressed with Lee Bullis Ottinger, who stayed basically second, third, fourth right there the whole race, uh, right on top of each other. They didn't let one of them get away from each other. But but Bobby was out ahead, and uh, but boy, they show hey they belong. They did, and you know I not to to say impressed again, but you know I think that it goes to show us that when we maybe think that. You know, we'll, we'll get to a race where we'll we'll note it. I mean, you know, there's faster guys, there's slower guys. That happens at the road races. That happens at the ovals. Um, but we've had enough of a sample size this year where I think that everybody has had, you know, top 15 car-ish at, at, at least one point this year. And, you know, obviously now that we get back to the oval, we're going to be talking about, you know, a tenth and a half a margin between the best car in Q, the slowest car in Q, and... Um, you know, especially for the teams that have multiple drivers left, um, you know, still in the playoff contention with the alliances behind the scenes and, and even the formal teams as well, um, they, they are not going to get much of a break. Um, so, you know, I, I know that uh, visually, you know, we don't see all that. Like, you know, you can see on a cup race weekend where, um, you know, they, they hey, we're interviewing somebody back at the shop on Wednesday on Race Hub, right? I mean, we don't have that kind of stuff to see it. Um, but, um, I think that these drivers have put more resources into this year, um, than we've seen before, especially on the telemetry side. You have to you know, be competitive. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the teams behind them, you got to remember there's more than the driver. Uh, everybody, there's a lot of people behind these people helping with the sets and all that. And it is uh, pretty fun to, and fascinating to watch. So let's talk about next week. Uh, what do we expect to see there? And, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Well, we're back. I don't want to say to normal, right? Because I, I feel like that discredits uh, the track a little bit. But we're back to regularly scheduled programming at Kansas. And it's always been uh, one of my favorite intermediate tracks because obviously the, the idea is you're probably going to have cars up against the wall or on the outside. Um, and I think it's different. You know, even though Kansas, Texas, Homestead, they're all similar racetracks. Um, on the stat sheet, they all drive very differently. But if you've had a good intermediate program, then you got to be feel, feeling good going into this. But I, I can't call any of these intermediate races safe anymore because they're all plate races, right? I mean, it's going to be so easy uh, to get into an issue. And I mentioned, it, of course, aside from Conti, all our playoff guys went pretty much without um, any issues at the uh, Roval. Uh, I have a feeling... Um, that at least one, if not two, of our playoff guys don't make it through the race Tuesday, and and that's going to be a championship deciding factor. It could be one of the favorites. Yeah, based on the NIS races at Kansas I've seen so far this week, yeah, there's definitely going to be some carnage. Oh, yeah. So it'll be fun to watch, and we'll be there to watch it with you, uh, Evan Pasoko. Thank you for coming on and talking Coke racing, and, hey, we'll talk next week. Yep, I hope uh, to catch you guys tuning in on Tuesday, and uh, we'll chat again next time around. All right, thank you. Can somebody knock him off at the top of the hill? The answer tonight is a resounding no. Final quarter for Bobby Zelensky. He'll remain unbeaten on the road courses. Zelensky wins at the Roval, his fifth straight road course win, and he is the first driver to punch his ticket to the championship four finale at Homestead. All right, that was the Coke race. Let's jump to Greg, uh, the Rally All-Star Invitational. Yeah, I didn't even get a chance to... Uh, I forgot that this was going on because I think it was being broadcasted that around the same time uh, we were racing. But um, um, 
I don't even have any of this stuff up here, Mike. Um, I know uh, it was won by... Uh, um, shoot, sorry. I'm losing... I forgot his name. Got Ron Caps in the race. They had uh, uh, Scott Speed, <laughs> uh, Travis Pastrana, and other uh, IndyCar drivers. I don't know who won it. Um, I didn't get to watch it either. Yeah, it's... It was just, I just happened to be at the time that uh, I was racing something else and I didn't see here. Does it, there's very vague on the highlight part here until the end. Doesn't show much in the highlights either. Yeah, so then there's the, uh, so that was the All Star, and then they had the first round of the World Championship as well. And uh, apparently, the, one of the cars is still at a disadvantage. I mean, we, we talked a little bit to one of the drivers about that a, a couple weeks ago, but. Uh, the Subarus are still dominant in it, anyways, right. um, because of they 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 explained or uh, we had explained that it's just the fact that the the way that they're doing the qualifying um, doesn't help the uh, I guess I don't know if there's any focuses or uh, or Fords in it, but I know that it's most it's the VWs that rest them right. It's well, the Subaru and the VW, and according to Vicente, who we talked to last week, as well as uh, Garrett, we talked to the week before, the um, VWs don't have uh, the good qualifying speed, basically on on clean dirt on on a on a you know a, a clean track. So they prefer a more worn out track. And you could see that when you look at the lineup at the grid. All the Subarus are up front. Uh, the Volkswagens are in the back, and the other cars are up front. So it was Yanni Alikaiden that uh, won uh, the race, and I think he was the favorite in the first round too, and uh, of this. And he had an incident uh, on his heat, and it just snowballed through the rest of the racing for him. But um, looks like he prevailed on this one. All right, the action never stops. Brian, we got patch three, season four. Yeah, that's right, Mike. Um, so uh, season four, patch three um, has come out. Here's some of the release notes. <clears throat> They've been working a little bit more on the <laughs> racing UI, which is uh, Mike's favorite topic. Um, apparently, they resolved an issue where clicking the back button was not returning to the previous screen. That's a big deal, I guess, right? Can't can't see what was going on before we were just there. Um, <clears throat> some team uh, adjustments where your regist the register button has been added to the registered team table of the team registration window for an event, so you can register directly from there. A um, couple other team issues. Uh, some uh, track map uh, has been added um, for uh, the Brazil Canadian Tire, uh, uh, the 24 hours at Le Mans track. Lime Rock and Lime Rock Park Legacy. Uh, some dirt racing adjustments with the hard pan of the uh, water. Um, now more uniform across the width of the entire track. And uh, they've uh, done some customization with the dirt hard pan on Knoxville, uh, Lima Land, and Volusia. Things been adjusted a little bit. Uh, some rendering issues that they've had where they fixed an issue where <clears throat> rendering lights, especially when there are many light sources at, at a night track that could cause the whole sim to crash. So they fixed that. Added some uh, visual improvements with the smoke effects and carbon fiber and metal improved. Uh, they've tweaked the PA announcements and the environmental audio. So uh, a bunch of tracks have had uh, 
some uh, tweaks to the environmental audio, uh, audio. and uh, so I've had a little bit of a change up too. On this one, uh, the BMW uh, balance the power update. David, I, I thought they told us they weren't going to tell us how much they were going to change them anymore, but now this one says they've reduced 1.5% of the rev range. Generally in the sports cars, they tell you the ex- a lot of the specifics. They'll tell you like oh. we're taking we're taking five kilo- or kilograms away, or is it kilograms or that's the right weight measurement? I think they take. So they'll tell you how much weight they're taking away, or they're a lot of the balance of powers. They'll adjust because I mean they're always playing. What they'll all, they'll always be playing catch up on on balance of power. What he's talking about though, David, they said in an announcement because. Every time somebody sees a number of what was taken away or given to something, people were complaining about it. So they were not going to disclose it so that people didn't know the exact amount so that it it was less right. controversial. I guess I forgot. Yeah, I forgot as well. On the uh, track section, uh, Crandon International Raceway, the um, pro, pro truck track, they added a barrier on the inside of turn two because uh, people were able to cut that corner. So they added a barrier to that. And if I'm not mistaken, I haven't raced Crandon. I don't have that yet. But did they ever get the issue fixed with the uh, with the uh, land rush start? I don't think I've seen that in any of the updates yet. I haven't yet either, so I don't know. I, I still don't have the track either. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that in any of the uh, updates that we've had. I've been looking for that specifically because I know that they had mentioned they are going to address that in a patch, but I haven't seen it yet. All right. Uh, David, speaking of BMW... Yeah, something we might see in a patch down the road someday or in a new release. There is the new real car, BMW M4 GT3. It's running in the German Tour Caring Champ, or a little dyslexia there, the German Touring Car Championship. Um, and Robert Crisdale was the first in the forums to ask how long till it's an iRacing. Hashtag soon. I don't think it'll be an update. They'll have to scan that, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, they'll have to scan it and... Uh, iRacing recently said that they feel like they have enough GT3s, right? So I'd, I'd be surprised if they're really looking to add a new one anytime soon. It depends on what BMW wants, too, you know? Yeah, because uh, BMW is trying to get more involved in iRacing, so maybe they want their uh, latest and greatest out there. Didn't they also just pull out of um, one of the road series? Was it? I don't remember which one it was. I know BM, I think BMW is no longer in WEC. Over on over on the European side, could be this is DTM. So, what a title here, Tony, for a tweet, eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, we win with this title. Um, good old Ty Majeski continued a great season with a win at Sunday's Oktoberfest 200 at Lacrosse Fairgrounds Speedway. Now, we should have dubbed this one Deja Vu because. Uh, Last year, at the 50th running of this race, he also won. And actually, I was the one talking about it a year ago. And what's special about this one, though, Tony, is the promoter offered a bonus to Ty Majeski, a challenge, per se. If he could come from the back of the field and win, he accepted the challenge and did just that in a dominating fashion. Well, no kidding. Okay, I didn't. I, I I didn't see that part, but I was scrolling through some of the comments, and I saw some of the uh, people commenting on it, saying that he he drove from the back um, right to the front, and then on the Facebook page as well. There's a 
um, a nice video of just like a, a one lap where where Ty missed a missed a wreck just beautifully, just cut right down and you know off he goes. But uh, so that was the actual challenge, and and Ty Ty Majeski just took it and said thank you very much. Um, you know he's he's sporting the iRacing colors as he usually does. That um, back with the uh, the the black iRacing car. Yeah, it's got um, the iRacing logo on the hood. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my more favorite paints. Um, I love it when they they have the black base of the car. That i iRacing logo just pops nicely on that hood. How is this boy not in a Sprint Car Cup? I, I mean, Sprint Cup car. I don't know. I mean, he he wins everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why why doesn't he have a full time ride at least? You know, like in trucks or in Xfinity. Um, it, it's it's really a damn shame because you know, put this guy into uh, some half decent equipment, and um, you know he he's gonna shine. He he owns this series basically, and he has you know last year and um, quite possibly the year before. My memory doesn't go back that far, but um, he he needs he needs to somebody needs to pick him up. I mean, money can't just be everything. Like this this kid's got the skills. He's ugh that that political part of that sponsorship part there that bothers me because this guy's just this guy is money. Yeah, you'd think so. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, quick hit here. Nick Leap uh, put up in the forums that uh, from the patch, they had updated the IndyCar oval fixed uh, setups, and there was a problem, and they had to roll those changes back, and now the set fails. And so if you need the set, you can actually download it in the forums, in the IndyCar uh, forums. And then, uh, Greg, with the roval in the rain with Clint Boyer and such this weekend, uh, there was a lot of talk about rain. Yeah, and we know that they're working to evolve the weather uh, in iRacing every week, right? Or every time that they get a chance to. So, you know, it's not a surprise that uh, this might be coming, but it's just funny how they trolled everybody as we were watching the Xfinity race uh, uh, to iRacing put out a tweet said, okay, okay, yeah, maybe rain would be fun on, on iRacing. And then had the shrugging uh, emoji there. But uh, I think it would be good to add. Um, I don't know how popular it would be. Would you think it would be, you know, maybe a one-time thing, someone, you know, it's a novelty thing if you, you know, had it happen. Yeah, like, you know, I can you create it in any race or are they only going to pick certain tracks? Are you going to do it? Like Evan was saying, do you think it, it, because it locks it as an oval, would it even come to an oval? No, you don't have it at an oval. It's just, if it, there's a road course, there, there could be rain. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like these, these races are classed as ovals in oh, I see. on a road course. That's why I'm saying like, that's, we don't have a distinction of your road license to run the road courses to the oval races when you're like, you know, when we're on NIS, it's always an oval, no matter even if you're on the road course or not. Right. Yeah. Good point. What I like is I racing, saying it out loud and putting it in writing on the Twitter, but it says, okay, yeah, maybe rain would be fun on iRacing. So, uh, it, it, you know, it's on their radar if they're talking about it. 
Well, and I think it's it's an easier thing to. Uh, it's probably one of the things that they could maybe focus on more right now because, um, you know, they haven't been scanning a lot of stuff. They're, this stuff could be something that they've been working on uh, to fill up their time of for updates too. It could be something that they add soon here because it you know, could come together faster than if they had to scan this track and so with all the pandemic and stuff like that, this might be something that's sooner than later, who knows. And the Xfinity race that you're talking about, it was like, you should have, we, we should have had circus music playing in the background because when the rain hit real hard, it was just amazing how many cars were going off into the tires and into the grass and, 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 and all this carnage and stuff. And it just reminded me, you know, man, if we had rain and eye racing, it would be just like that. I think it would really be an awesome thing to have. I just don't think or know how we could do it properly um, to where, you know, it, it just, it would be fun. Like the cup cars guys can barely handle a lot of it as it is if it got went in rain it would be all over the place i'm sure it'd be a lot easier with the gt cars and things that have downforce but it just it, it i don't know if it'll be if it would lose its magic real quickly well one of the things that made it so chaotic is that most of those guys don't have experience doing this once it becomes something they're used to you're not going to have that severe of a problem I just hope it's right where you have rain tires on and you have to run offline or you ruin your tires, just like it, you know, the, in real life. I hope it's like that. Well, in the cup race, they were having to hunt for the dry part and avoid the, avoid the places where there was still a little bit of wet. Yeah. And the tire wear on the, on the cup cars, um, on those rain tires was really quick when it started drying out. They're just ripping the tires right off of it. So it would have to be a whole new tire model for that. Yeah, event, a new right? tire model. Well, I, I think this they tire model is, and I think this tire model is kind of they're getting themselves set up for it. They have a tire model; it's based on materials. Uh, and I do recall somebody talking about at some point the fact that dirt and the dynamic track of dirt is getting them is something that's moving them in that direction towards being able to do the rain. Yep, exciting times. Tony, what else is exciting? Oh, well, uh, that would be the Aftermath broadcast debut. Um, <laughs> say, say what? Because, well, well, not quite sure how this one's going to go. Um, I think uh, for us, staying on point is going to be our biggest challenge. But uh, anyways, uh, Chris and I for sure. And uh, I know uh, Mr. Rochette, he's... He's on call this weekend coming up, so um, if he uh, doesn't have any propane or propane accessory issues, um, he'll be uh, joining us, and we'll, we'll have a trifecta um, doing our best uh, trying to broadcast the Ladies of iRacing um, this Saturday at 9 p.m. They are doing a 50-lap race at Charlotte, and... I know Chris and I both watched them go the their last race, and a few of these ladies put on some solid racing. Now there was a bunch of them that this is their it was their first time ever out in a race, and uh, 
that created some very interesting times as well. So now they all got a race underneath their belt. They should all be pros. Um, definitely going to be uh, a lot of fun watching. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, you know, trying to call this race. We'll see how it goes. It'll be uh, it'll be rookies calling a, a rookie race. So um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun time, no matter which way you look at it. So come out, check it out, watch us either uh, figure it out or completely bomb. Either way, um, we'll be we'll be having fun. Hey Tony. How many, uh, how's their turnout been for them? Uh, their last race, I think they had 15 ladies show up. So they are, they are growing. Uh, yeah. Janice, which is, uh, their admin. Um, she's been, she's been working hard, uh, posting all over the place, uh, trying to recruit ladies and, you know, just, uh, kind of keeping an eye on the comments sections. So they're, uh, you know, various posts. There's, there's certainly a lot of interest. Um, so, uh, I, I've been a huge proponent, you know, encouraging these ladies to keep going, keep pushing. Um, you know, they, they will show up once they, uh, you know, you get more eyeballs on it, more people talking about it. But, uh, you know, the first, very first race that they ever had together, you know, I think there was about six of them. So the, you know, the, the second race out, they more than doubled their numbers and, uh, I really hope to see an upward trend because um, you just listen to them on mic and stuff. You know, they're out there just having an absolute blast. They're having so much fun. And uh, there really is some good racing happening uh, throughout that race. So I encourage everyone to, you know, check this out. Now, something came to my mind uh, as we're listening here, talking to with you here, Tony. Um, have you ever seen the, 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 the bingo card? For, for phrases. I, f I feel like we should create a bingo card for you, Chris, and Tony and and, and send it out to everybody. And everybody, as soon as they hear you say certain words, they get to check it off. And the first one that tweets bingo from your phrases, um, it would be interesting to see. No, take a shot every time. <laughs> <laughs> the dead air would yeah. get us drunk real quick. <laughs> now, you've got big shoes to fill. I was thinking... You know, Bob Jenkins and uh, Alan Bestwick, some of the best people have called racing. I tell Evan you what, Pasoko. Yeah, Evan Pasoko. You got some big shoes to fill. And I tell you what, calling a race on iRacing as a broadcaster is a blast. And when I first started iRacing, I did this for a while. I was calling races for all pro racing. I called some races for max speed. Uh, some of the broadcasters back then and it was fun and i was a natural and uh that kind of led to this podcast stuff too but um it's fun you're gonna love it well uh, chris was actually the, the first one to approach me with this idea and um i'll be honest at, at the start i was like i i'm not really all that interested um but as i you know, as it started percolating and got thinking about it, I'm like, well, you know, if Chris comes with, uh, you know, a handful of stats, you know, I can just kind of be the color guy because, you know, I've always professed that, you know, I am the dumbest NASCAR fan. I'm the dumbest racing fan. I love it. Um, I get my stuff all mixed up. Um, <laughs> my, my stats are the crap. So, um, Yes, we, we definitely have huge shoes to fill. Um, we're certainly not going to try and be like an Evan Pasoko because, you know, there's, there's just no absolutely no way. 
um, you know, if we, if we can kind of just stand on our feet, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll approach it like we, we do the, uh, we do with the aftermath. We'll, we'll go out there and, uh, you know, do what we do, have some fun. And, uh, it'll be kind of nice. We'll be able to, you know, pull in some of the ladies, um, you know, interview them, talk with them. And, uh, yeah, I, I am excited. This is going to be a really good time. And I just hope we don't stink up the joint. Yeah. And uh, my tips for you is the um, the live button. Make sure you're live because lots of times you go back to look at a replay and you forget to go live because you're busy talking. And that's the biggest thing you'll screw up. You'll be watching a replay, calling replay instead of calling live. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is make sure your camera is really far away so you can see everything. Not like the blip far away, but maybe like helicopter or something like that. Well, those are two very good tips. Um, I've already written them down, and uh, I could see me totally blowing that whole replay deal. Um, I, I've done it trying to uh, spot for guys before, and <laughs> I, I definitely understand it, but thank you for the reminder, and uh, <laughs> let's try not make that silly mistake. Hey, Tony, do uh, these ladies have their own accounts or are they sharing them with uh, their uh, spouses or anything? Um, I believe it's a mixture. Um, I know a bunch of them do have their own, and then I, I know a bunch of them are uh, are, are running their uh, significant others um, rings because they may only do, you know, you know, one of these races every now and again. So um, the goal, hopefully, is that, uh, you know, the ones that are sharing the account, we get them... You know they get uh, they get the bug, they get bitten, and uh, you know start doing like what what Lisa did to me, like hey, build me a rig, build me a computer, let's uh, let's get this rocking and rolling. Yeah, they want their own stats, you know. Yeah, yeah, and this is a perfect place to you know to have them get that you know get that bug. Um, it, it good group of ladies. All right, I'm looking forward to watching that Saturday night. We're gonna watch. Uh, and it's OBRL broadcast, right? Yep, yep. They are uh, they're running the whole broadcast. So it's a uh, it's a bunch bunch of us all coming together to uh, you know put the spotlight on these ladies. All right, sounds like fun. All right, guys. Um, well, uh, uh, fellow racer Nick Nieben, uh, N E B A N, he linked the series of YouTube videos that he made in the forums where he like goes into depths about how iRacing works. They're uh, they're entitled Understanding iRacing as a collective, but there's uh, his uh, subjects are like understanding safety rating, understanding i rating, understanding championship points, and understanding net code. So um, these are like seven to seven to ten minute videos that he's created. Um, they're similar to the one that iRacing put out, but they're he's actually enough. gets into a little bit more detail. So. Uh, he does a really good job. I, I watched a couple of them actually. Uh, a friend of mine who's pretty new to iRacing, he asked me how how like the championship points work, you know, for the weekly uh, official series. I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how how they come up with the points, how they average. And uh, he goes into that really well. I, and I sent him a link to it, and uh, it really ex explains the championship points very well. It does. Um... So to answer your question that you just threw out there in case people are wondering, so like if you run the NIS several times a week, um, it's going to take your best result, and that's the point you get for the week. But if you do more than four, 
then it takes the best, it takes the average of your best two results. And then if right. you and run even more, it, it takes the average of three and so forth. Right. And he, he uh, explains a little bit how to manipulate the points in your favor if you're trying to one, run for championship points. So uh, it, it's, it's a really good video on that kind of stuff. Now, Very I only deep. watched the one, Brian, the SR, how is SR done? Um, and he does a great job visually to explain how SR works. It's probably the best video I've seen on SR where he lays out, you know, a visually, these are the laps you've completed as three different drivers. And he shows where they get incidents. And then as they complete more laps that are incident free, the incident laps fall out of the calculation and he shows it in a very visual way that makes it easy to understand. So if you've ever struggled with how that works, go find Nick Nieben's uh, YouTube. Uh, he's got a great uh, YouTube channel over there. Yeah, I did see that, Mike. And it also shows you how the different um, license classes take longer sections of uh, time for your uh, scores to start dropping off. So it was really good. And um, if you're going on YouTube, it's, it's spelled K-N-E-E. B O N five, so that's how you find him on YouTube and look up his videos. Yeah, we we get a lot of stuff for our show from Nick Neven. Um, he's a spotter for uh, Dylan Duval in the Coke series, but he also does videos every week of his racing in all kinds of various series, and he puts up some good stuff. Speaking of YouTube videos, um, we're going to bring up one from Annie from Snail Racing. We talked about her a little bit earlier. But she put up her regular weekly video, and this time it was uh, how their endurance race went at Petit Le Mans. And um, it was fascinating to see Annie talk about the pressure that's involved in a team event versus an individual event. And we've talked about it on this show before, uh, basically not to be the guy who wrecks the car for the other guys. and. And she said she felt immense, immense pressure because she knew her teammates had put in so many laps and hours of practice. Uh, she was the one who was starting the car, and she didn't want to be the one to mess it up. And um, she talked about the emotions and the feelings behind that, and as a, only as a woman could, and of course conveys it wonderfully. She speaks well about the pr approach you want to take anytime you're on that, about just keeping the car alive. Um, you know, I blew it at, at Bathurst, and I've been on the other side of it where I've been two laps away from getting in the car and have it wrecked. So I know what it's like to be on both sides of those coins. We had a really good race going at Road America a couple of weeks ago. Was it Road America? Yeah, it was Road America. Uh, me and, and uh, Douglas Cloud were running, and a GT3 just, or a GTE just kind of pretended we weren't even on the track and just turned right into our our left rear bumper so it um it's a that's the th world of endurance racing is you can spend all this time especially for these special events um and there's no do-overs there's no three chances like there is in an nis race yeah she was all about let's finish the race that's the goal we're not trying to win we're just going to try to keep it on the pavement and that's the kind of the mindset you got to take to make sure you don't wreck the car good job annie Great, great video. So uh, literally right after finishing the NIS race last night, uh, it timed out that there was three minutes till IMSA. So I was like, all right, I want to run an IMSA race. So I, I literally signed up. I jump in and I get contacted by a viewer yeah, or a listener, I guess. And it was a he sent us a really cool uh, message and emailed in a 
a truck of um, his that he runs with the iRacers Lounge logo. And I just I'll read a little bit of the quote. Um, Good day, David. Obviously, he's Australian. Uh, as discussed in the IMSA race, please find attached some pics of my iRanger Lounge podcasts uh, truck that I've been running for the last six months. He says, keep up the amazing work. It's the number one sim racing podcast in the world, hands down. Learned so much from you guys in the last year since joining the service. Uh, keep safe, Alex Steblovics or Stelbovics. Uh, one of the things he pointed out, which is kind of kind of true for all of us. I know when I first started listening, I didn't know what eighty twenty was. He mentioned that, um, and that's a, probably our unique, the most unique part of our show is we talk so much more about hardware probably than any other shows out there. Though I love all the other shows that are on the on the subject too, but it's definitely our unique twist on things. Yeah, thank you, Alex, for the kind comments. I mean, that's why we do this show is. To, uh, for people like Alex out there who want to learn about what we do and and they just want more information and hey we're here to talk about it so so we got uh, some IMSA and Le Mans series license class updates it was uh, there's a Twitter put out um, saying starting uh, next season uh, in December so I guess they're uh, taking three of iRacing's most popular road series and moving them up one license division so there will be uh a, an a license requirement uh come the the new season yeah imza is now class b uh lamar is class a endurance lamar class a my first impression was i don't know if this is going to make that much of a difference because it's so easy with fast track to jump to class b and class a but i did take a look and see uh how many people were in the last three imsa races i ran and there was about four or five class c's in my race and i'm kind of mid-split so i don't know if it'll make a big difference or not it won't i I don't know if it would i mean we were kind of talking about this greg and on the oval side, anyway, <clears throat> they're all A class, at least in our splits. I think I looked today in my NIS race, and there was one guy that had a B license out of the whole event. I just think that the what they're trying to do here is kind of just create a a little bit of a tier system to separate some of, you know, a lot of people when you first start on here, do you want to you want to build your way up, right? You want to start in a series, and we have it on the oval side, and. They have it on the open wheel side. Um, I don't know if they've ever really had it. The the, the competition that they do right now um, on the sports car or prototype type area. So maybe it's just them realigning to have a different route. My question is, why is IMSA B and Lamar is A? Does that mean Lamar is better? I always saw them as equal. Yeah, no, Lamar runs a little longer and it has the the prototype one and the prototype two, whereas IMSA is a little bit shorter and has just the prototype two and the GT3 involved. So it's, okay, it's, well, it's slightly sense. smaller class cars. I would class it as Mike. It's like F1 to IndyCar. IMSA is like IndyCar and F1 is Le Mans. Right. It's the prestige, right? And then endurance Le Mans. Yeah, and the endurance; those are six-hour races where you you get the same you and your you and whatever teammates run on your team get the same number of points per race. So you can actually end up diff- with different points than your teammate if y'all happen to pair up differently the next race. But um, 
yeah, it, it, those are big races. And you know, it, again, you can run a Le Mans race or an IMSA race every two hours. The endurance events are um, there's, it's like NIS. There's only three starts. So no B license and run an an endurance race. You got to be A. I think that was already the case for the endurance. Oh, okay. But now Le Mans is also Class A, whereas Le Mans, regular Le Mans used to be Class B. Do you think they that'll affect the? Do you think they'll change the license, not or the eligibility for the like the twenty four hours and and stuff like that, just so that they get more people in it? Or do they uh, make people graduate probably beforehand to make sure they're up there? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if they thought about that. I would think it would follow these rules, but I'm not sure. They, they've always matched the requirements to run the, the matching series, right? So the Mons required a Class B if you wanted to do the 24-hour uh, Daytona, which was based on EMSO, used to require the Class C or, or D 4.0. Right, so historically they've matched. That's that would that's gonna be my guess if they follow the history. So there'll be a lot of people scrambling near the big events to make sure they're up there. If that's the case, well, yeah. Would... If if there's somebody who hasn't really been trying to pay attention to their license, like all you have to do to gain license is sacrifice I rating, ride in the back and survive a few races, and boom, you've you can fast track forward. Right. Well, I'm saying, you know, somebody like me, who I'm not a road course driver, but I might run the 24 hour of Daytona. Yeah, I might have a problem with that. If I don't have my hay license, I got to figure out how to get it up. Grab a skippy for about eight races. You'll be up there. There's also, isn't the Indy Oval course, doesn't it give you actually road credit? Yeah, but can you get Mike to stop racing cars and back up? (laughs) He would. He'd see a chance to go for it, and he would. Exactly. I'm there to win. That's the thing. And there's another thing with road courses that you have to do. It's practice. Get worse with practice. <laughs> Mike is the only one that I'll ever say that. You start finding more and more ways to screw up, huh? I, I think know. it's more of a case of the more you, the harder you try, the worse you do. You know. I, I've proven it over and over again. Um, but anyway, let's keep moving. This last one is a listener sent this one in. Yeah, the um, it's kind of a sad story here. So the Nixon Hope for a Cure Philip Isle 400 race. Um, yeah, is it Yanni Rowe? Yeah, I think it's Yanni Rowe is uh, how the name's pronounced. Um, he posted that uh, Nixon is a four-year-old and he was diagnosed with the stage four high risk. Is it neuroblasma? I'm guessing that's how it's pronounced. Neuroblastoma. Neuroblastoma. Thank you. Um, cancer uh, back in July of 2017. In March 2019, Nixon finished his treatment uh, and was scanned, or, and uh, and scanned and was clear. But back in September of 2019, he relapsed and. The uh, family was told uh, there's not much chance or chances of survival uh, weren't good. Um, Nixon's only hope for the cure is to go to get him to Memorial Sloan uh, Kettering Cancer Center in New York, and he's gonna he needs to participate in a vaccine trial um, that fights this. Um, the trial 
of course, of seven vaccines over 12 months. Uh, it's been ongoing for 10 years, but is not available from where he's from in Australia. Um, so he's decided to run this race for him to raise money. Um, and uh, if you want to look it up on the uh, forms page to uh, how to sign up and everything, um, look up the title Nixon Nixon's Hope for a Cure Philip Isle 400 race. Um, he does. It says the race is going to go on on Sunday, November first, um, and gives the details and everything in here and uh, how to sign up and what to do. Um, interesting. Hopefully, they can get uh, a bunch of people signed up to help them uh, do to help this kid out. Yeah, you can run as team or solo. Uh, it's ten bucks. Uh, all all hundred percent of that money will go to the GoFundMe page to fund Nixon's uh, trip to New York. And so go help this guy out and uh, let's raise some money. Sunday, November 1st. And uh, to enter, you just need to go comment on the thread in the forums. And I'm assuming that you could probably donate that without being in the race as well if you can't make it or something like that. That's kind of confusing here at the bottom. I don't know if you guys saw it. Is he saying that all the supercars are available for this race? It says the 2014 Legacy Ford and Honda V8 supercars, and then he says the Commodore and the Ford Mustang. So obviously, it sounds like all four are yeah, available. That's the way I'm reading it. If you maybe you didn't get the new ones, or you want to run the old ones, I don't know. I don't know if that makes. I don't know if there's a speed difference, or would they class them and make it as a class? Maybe I don't know. Looks like he's already got one guy signed up. So let's help him out, guys. Let's go into podcast housekeeping notes. I want to take a moment and do a big shout out to our very own Brian McCubbin on the great job he's been doing as content editor. It really has been a seamless transition as Brian took over editing for Tony and Chris. And I just wanted to take a moment and say, job well done. Good job, Brian. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. And uh, as you've seen, we've had a lot of stories from listeners and we do love that content. Please email a link that's all i need by email to iracerslounge at gmail.com uh don't forget we're on the performance motorsports network i turned in i tuned in i think it was sunday night at about 10 30 p.m i spot check i just go into it like a few times a week to see if it can hear our podcast and sure enough there was the iracers lounge and i heard adam jocelyn uh in there telling us all about it so uh uh, pretty cool to hear us on that uh, big uh, uh, streaming motorsports network. So check us out over there. And then ne- next up, uh, Fantasy Tony. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. I uh, start out this week with a big boom. I uh, I won the Roval. And oh. yeah. <laughs> I mean... Quite frankly, if you didn't have Chase Elliott in your lineup, uh, you were not paying attention. Um, he should have been in everyone's lineup. Uh, he is basically becoming the road course king. Um, and this happened to be uh, one race that I wasn't able to watch. I had uh, Thanksgiving uh, going on that day. It's Thanksgiving this past weekend for us uh, Canadians. So I was enjoying a turkey dinner while these guys were out, uh, you know, fighting for their seasons, um, you know, trying to make it into the uh, the round of eight. Um, 
So I was able to, you know, increase my lead a little bit over second place, Mr. Resdog. Um, we've got, where are we at? Four, five, five races left. Five races left. There's, there's still time. Um, I'm hanging on. I am, uh, I'm fighting to, to hold on to that top spot. But let me give a quick, uh, quick rundown of the top ten. We missed that last week. There, there's been a little bit of movement, but, uh, um. First place is is myself, TG1 Racing. Res Dog still in second place. GI Jojo is in third place. Smiling Ninja fourth. KBM in fifth, followed by Carrie Seal. Just in time is in seventh place. Jedi McFly, Mr. Chris Scales. Uh, he he's still hanging into the top ten. He's in eighth. Laird Racing, ninth place, and Romance Girl is uh, new to the top ten. She made it up into the top ten last week, um, and she's she's hanging on to that last spot. Uh, no more road courses, and we're back to a mile and a half uh, th this weekend. It's it's Kansas, correct? I always get Kansas and Kentucky mixed up, but I'm pretty Kansas, sure we're Kansas. Kansas, yes. Texas, Martinsville, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, Kansas. Um, fun track. Uh, Boyer is uh, is the one that I'm thinking about this weekend. I really want to play him. I really, you know, I, I want to see him do so well. You know, this weekend now that he's announced his retirement, uh, this is his hometown track, and I think he typically struggles here, but. Um, this could be He's an interesting close. play. Yeah, it could be an interesting play. He might, he might just have some fire under him this 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 round. To be honest, if that race would have stayed wet on the weekend, he might have been looking at a win at that roval. Oh, he was he was doing so well, and I'm sure you guys have seen the picture of him. Uh, you know, just pretty much laid flat out after that race because his power steering. Uh, went out and he still had like 40 laps to go, I think it was, or 30, 30 laps to go. Um, he actually crushed the pump off the front of the car. That's right. Yeah, got yep. crumpled up on one of the restarts. Yeah, yeah. And such a tough break. Uh, it's it's too bad because, yeah, that he, he was doing well up to that point from uh, what I hear and what I've been told. When a car loses power steering, it's worse than a car that never had it to begin with. Well, and you got to think it's almost coming down to the end of the race. He's already exerted enough energy, you know. He's he, he's exerted a, a certain amount of energy, and all of a sudden now he's got to ramp it up probably tenfold to finish the next little while. And I don't know if you know, I don't know if you guys listened to Door Bumper Clear this week, but listening to Brett describe it over the radio, he was trying to figure out, do the math with the the, the amount of laps that were left times the amount of time, and he, and he I think he said at one point it was like. 45 50 minutes he was going to have to drive without power steering yeah ab absolutely insane um <laughs> 45 50 minutes just armstronging that car around the track and you know it's not just like a you know a sunday drive you know around town um yeah that 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 picture that they showed i mean that just that just tells you um clint's not a slouch in the in the car he's always you know, doing his thing and stuff, but I've never seen him gas like that. In fact, you know, rarely do you see too many of them get, you know, that gassed. Uh, sometimes with heat and stuff like that, you'll see it, but um, heat was definitely not the issue this past weekend, but... Oh. 
Yeah, anytime they get that bad off, it's because something went wrong. In this case, it was the power steering. If there's something wrong with their cool box or extra COs getting in their, in their cabin, that'll get, them, that'll get them in that kind of shape as well. Yeah, well, you know, if nothing else, it, it just gave one one more story to come out of the, you know, out of this past weekend. And there's lots to talk about, you know, over the course of the whole weekend. So, um, yeah, we're 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 hitting the end of this uh, end of this uh, fantasy deal, end of the season. Uh, things are tight. I got a little bit of a lead, um, but I am certainly not in the clear yet, not by any stretch. So off to Kansas, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll see where the chips lie. Here's an interesting tidbit I just was looking up. Over the last five races at Kansas, they've had five different winners. And they have five different winners are all still left in the chase. Those are some interesting numbers. <laughs> so that would be Truex, Harvick, Elliott, Keselowski, and then Hamlin. This might be a Kyle Busch weekend. <laughs> yeah, right. enough said right there. <laughs> all right, that'll conclude that. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Uh, let's move on to hardware software. David, what do you got? Got an AMD Ryzen 9 5950X. This processor is described as the world's best gaming processor. Probably by AMD. Um, in the forums, Philip Morton says that this chip will be a good bump from anything prior to 8th gen Intels and that the 8th to 10th gen Intels will be roughly within the margin of this card. And I looked up, I looked through some of the forum posts and the technical jargon as you get into the benchmarks, just, just a little, I'm not familiar enough with the post to, to give you any more details other than it looks pretty good. The only thing I ever wonder is I've always, I'm always told that, especially with iRacing being mostly single core, that your raw clock speed is more important than how well the multi-core does. Yep. Well, That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. It depends on the, what I've. Uh, the reason I went with a Ryzen is when you're a streamer for multitask, anything multitasking, video editing, things like that, you go with a Ryzen chipset. If you want to game and strictly just do that stuff where it's it's intensive for the you needing that processor speed, you go with the Intel. It just depends on you pick it out of what you're planning on doing, right? Yeah, and then my understanding is this one is going to be comparable to the Intel as far as a single processor speed. But the big outstanding question is, can it be overclocked? Uh, nobody really knows yet. They haven't got their hands on them. But that'll be the first thing is, can it be overclocked and by how much? And most people are thinking it can't. They've already pushed it to the limit. The Intels, what are they on, the 10th generation? Or are they on, yeah, that would be their, yeah. their highest, right? Yeah. I guess we'll see what we find out later. Yeah, we'll know soon enough once they get out there in the wild. Well, if you're looking to find out some things, maybe some leagues, maybe some, maybe you need some commentators, maybe you need some painters. Um, Tom Bunty got a hold of us and let us know about his website. It's called Gridfinder. Gridfinder.com. Um, and it does absolutely that. Um, it is uh, basically like a, a directory website, um, and 
it's not just for iRacing. Uh, basically, pick your platform, uh, pick your pick your game slash simulator. Um, what days you can race? Like uh, he's he's got this thing dialed in pretty good. I was uh, you know cruising around it, checking it out, and uh, yeah, you, you, you pick the days, put all your stats in that you're looking for, and it will find the uh, this the suitable. Uh, league for you to uh to join up with um now this is a fairly young site he's uh he's kind of rebranded it it used to be rig racers and uh he added this section to that site and found it to be the most popular so he's you know um go with the flow right and uh rebranded it called it grid finder um, and this is the main focus of the website now to do this. And this this uh, new rebranding has been live for about uh, two to three weeks. So he's um, he's already up past uh, you know 200 uh, leagues. He's got uh, a handful of commentators on there and uh, a handful of painters. And you know as uh, as the word for this gets out, this is going to be in a absolutely great tool for anybody uh looking for this kind of thing or if you know you're a commentator league uh painter and want to get your name out there um it's just a well-built site easy to use easy on the eyes and i've been talking with tom bunty and he's just a general he's just a good guy uh we've, we've had a great conversation over the last couple of days just discussing uh his site and how he how he got it going. So check it out. That's uh, grid-finder.com. So I didn't do my normal beta UI rant when I after you showed this to me, Tony, because I was thinking this this thing that you know Tom Bunty has come up with is exactly what they need in the new UI in the league section for how to find a league. I mean, Tom has got it dialed in. It's so sweet. I, I pick PC, iRacing, NASCAR Cup Car on a Thursday. And guess what? It finds me a league that runs the Cup Car on Thursday. And it's called the USRA. And it has the info button where I can click on and get that information about how to get involved in that league. It has more information. Uh, what is their you know season length? What is Do they run weekly? Do they have a... a uh, broadcast, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's so hard on the regular website under iRacing or even in the new UI to try to find the league you're looking for. Hey, I'm available on these days and this is the kind of racing I want to do. Boy, uh, Tom has got it dialed in. I think iRacing needs to hire Tom Bunty and buy him out and incorporate this into the UI. Love it. Good job, Tom. Um, hopefully that helps, but uh, check his website out. If you're looking for a league, it's very helpful. And so I got the next one and iRacing themselves got into some rig reviews this week and they couldn't pass this one up. And I don't blame them, but uh, they put up on their social media, Facebook and Twitter, a rig review of member Ben Johnson. Um, he shared some pictures of his original do-it-yourself rig built from 1998 and then his current rig today and uh boy what a difference i just like the ingenuity back then and uh, what you know 
he's not even racing straight on in the monitor, so he's looking to his left while he's racing. You know, I think I did that when my first time my monitor was offset from the steering wheel. I, I didn't know any better. I want to know at what point we thought about putting our computers in, like, you know, we raced on desks forever. I, you know, I remember racing on a desk for the longest time. At, at what point did it clue in, maybe we should attach it all in one, you know, into a cockpit, into our, into a something. I just wonder at what point that started evolving. So to describe his older uh, cockpit, I mean, when you look at the wheel, it's basically some particle board as a base, and he's got the wheel just coming out of the center of the particle board that he's built there. And uh, the wheel definitely looks like it's homemade. Um, he's got some nice grip material on there and some buttons. Uh, what? Sorry, Mike. I was going to say, I think in the description, they're saying that he uh, made his partially from like a curtain rod. <laughs> it kind of looks like it. And then the pedals. I mean, I don't even know how to describe the pedals. The pedals are mounted to basically to a, another particle board, just a flat piece. And uh, yeah, there's not much to them. Well, okay. So these are like actual pedals out of a car. Like they're, they're real pedals hooked up to pen, uh, potentiometers. It's, I see that. And it's it's held up by old steel toolbox, too. He's just got the particle board leaning against the toolbox. I see that. He needs some Crocs is what he needs. That's about the only thing he's missing. <laughs> okay, then what about his uh, current day rig, though? He's got 80-20. He's got the wraparound seat. He's got the gloves. He's got the cube controls wheel. He's got a semi-cube uh, uh, wheelbase. He's got button boxes and triple monitors that are curved. I mean, he's got it all. And no Crocs. Looks like he runs the JRT dashboard there on that on that little extra mini monitor. That's the one that you like, right? Yeah, I actually float that exact one in my VR right on top of the steering wheel. Yeah, really nice setup uh, from Ben Johnson. If you were on the socials, you probably saw that this week. So our next story is uh, that um, the FIA, which is the governing body of the F1 racing, has a D-Box to be their official immersive heptic uh, motion system. D-Box, the company, has officially been endorsed by the FIA. So, uh, you know, uh, it's an actuator-type system, four degree of freedom, and uh, They've been around quite a while, D-Box has, or they make really good products. And now they're uh, the official uh, uh, motion of FIA, so that's pretty cool. Is that why they cost so much? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if that's going to make the price go up, because now they're paying that licensing fee, just like you know when you get the rim with the Porsche logo on it. It's that much more. That or only F1 drivers can afford it. Yeah, I would think the price would go up. You're just like you said. I mean, it costs money to get that endorsement. I'm sure. But on the second hand, that's in, that's advertisement money, so they should be bringing in more profits. So maybe those costs don't get passed along. Who knows? I don't know, man. If if uh, you know, if you look, if you're looking at a, a actuator type system and you see the price of these D boxes, I mean, they start like around eleven thousand dollars. So uh, there's some 
many other options for less than that. Really that much, you know, can they really be that much better? We just saw Barry uh, Roland do a review on the Motion House actuator system that looked like a fantastic system. And yeah. that was $5,400. That's a half huge the price. travel. Half the price, yeah. Six inch travel on those uh, actuators that Barry had on the Motion House. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I don't know how you can uh, step up that high in price compared to some of your competitors. I, I don't understand it. I'm wondering if the this FIA stuff will also work with what the F1 stuff is doing in their own esports stuff, if they'll eventually combine them together. The FIA, the FIA wouldn't put their name on something if there wasn't something extra they're getting out of it. it like you, maybe they're getting a sponsorship for one of the esports or something to go you know, parallel. I'm wondering if they use this this system will be eventually the official system of, you know, some sort of E-series. Right. Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, remember the W-series that was done online recently uh, to replace the actual European W-series? They actually required everybody to run the exact same hardware. They, they gave them a PC and a wheel the whole nine yards so that everybody was using the exact same system while racing hmm. well it's kind of reminds me of what, what happens when they bring everybody into one of those events right they set up all the uniform you know cockpits for everyone to race on and that they do on the big stages i mean obviously they're not doing that right now because none of those events can happen now around the world but um, yeah they just did this spread out all over europe i mean yeah. they, mel- they mailed the packages out to to each driver they're probably. I follow, I follow a couple of the of those Are drivers. Are they test units or like just letting them use it just for the series? Um, it was uh, Thrustmaster, I believe, or was it uh, Logitech? It was, it was a lower end but quality piece. I, I, I'll have to go back and and look at the Twitter feed, but it gave them all the same set. They had. I don't remember if there was a rig or they just sent them the wheel and the. And the pedals and the computer. I can't remember if the rig, if the rigs were uniform, but the wheel and and the PC were all uniform. Uh, speaking of uniform, we got another thing posted by Marcelo Pagnan, and it's a review of DC Sim Racing's pedals in the iRacing forums. And yeah, it's interesting. Those do kind of look somewhat familiar because right down below uh mike we also talk about the fact that they might be a copy yeah there's some people that were saying that perhaps these pedals are a ripoff of the heisken um and i don't know there's there's people on the forum saying no i mean pedals are they are a lot very they're very similar and if you look closely there are some design differences so I think when you initially look at them, they might look like a copy, but if you look closely, they're not, apparently. But I haven't taken the time to really dissect it. Well, and the truth is, if you're using the same technology, other than aesthetic design, what's going to be different? Yeah, I don't know. Um, these are the racing points of uh, the F1 pedals right now, equivalent. People accusing of copycatting. There you go. Uh, David, since you like to skip here, I'm going to go back one here. Um, the OPGT light rig here. We've got uh, some images of their light version of it 
um, on their website. So if you go to overpower.gg. Man, can, I love that color, Greg. Oh, that yellow, that would, that really pops. The red one looks not so bad as well. Um, they have a bunch of different options here. So they have the one we're, we're kind of looking at here is their GT Lite, which is their cheapest one uh, at 399 Is that euros? I'm guessing euros, that's euros. Yeah. Um, but it's a really simple design. It kind of reminds me of... Um, it's basically two, two sides uh, that obviously are cut out to you know exact specifications from you know uh it's it's aluminum i believe some of them are aluminum some of them, yeah it is aluminum assembly but it's it's precision cut um and then it's got all the it just basically has two sides with the braces where the pedals sit and the adjustability parts in the center of it it's kind of just a really simple thing it doesn't come with a seat um from what I'm looking at here, any, anywhere I can't find one that comes with a seat, obviously. So you'd obviously have to invest in a seat for it. Um, but it's definitely, definitely... The seat base is pretty low compared to where the pedals are. It makes it look like a formula seating position, but they do call it a GT in the product name. So I'm a little confused by that, but... Yeah, I don't... It, it, it does... I have a feeling it, it's obviously the way it's sitting is hoping that you're going to have rails for the seat. So you're not an adjustable rail, maybe um, not just sitting right down, right on that platform. There'll be a base under it or something. Right. But, but uh, if, you, if you go to the other rigs on their website, they have the formula version, which is five ninety nine, and it has the seat built into the part, into the rig as part of it, not yeah, just a platform for the seat. It kind of just uses like a little back padding. Uh, the way it's sitting, right? Yeah, it doesn't look too comfortable, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely like the idea of it. Um, I just don't know, like, it's obviously uh, a different design than um, what we're used, to, you know, what we've seen. It kind of reminds me of Fanatec's basic design Play for seat theirs or as well. Fanatec has a, a design like this as well. It's not totally like it, but their their rig kind of looks like that. As I glance at it, I think um, I think that would be GT if you look at where the pedals are, because the pedals are going to be a little bit more even with with where your hips are, which is the GT position. Whereas when when you're in the formula position, your pedals are almost up as high as your shoulders. Oh, I see. So it looks like they also on their website. I'm just was quickly glancing at their website. They offer uh, a bunch of different services. You can rent or purchase some of these things, uh, these seats, for events, it looks like. Um, they do uh, 3D printing, um, sim racing teaching, it looks like. Yeah, Ali Pakala, at your service for various performance-enhancing coaching programs. Which is, that's not bad. A, definitely a name in the... Uh, um, and iRacing that you would recognize. Yeah. They also have, uh, did you see the last one here, Mike? The customize? You can get your thing customized as well. Oh, yeah, as far as the rig goes. Yeah, I just realized they're out of Finland, is where this company is from. Could you imagine we could get an iRacers Lounge one? That would look cool. Or an after Aftermath one? Or one on each side? Make it look like my 87 paint job? Oh, man. Yeah. 
Yep, that would look awesome. Well, with the big sides on this, uh, you know, flat material, there's a lot that you can do with the paint, you know, with color and style. I wonder what the extra cost is to wrap it compared to maybe getting it done afterwards once you get it here. Because being from where it is, the cost of shipping on that would not be cheap. Okay, so we're going to go into our probably last hardware topic. Brian, let's talk motion. Okay, guys. So uh, if you go to the SFX 100 uh, website, uh, they are that project is taking a break. They uh, they announce on their website, please do not donate anymore. We need some time to reorganize due to commercial abuse. We'll be back soon. So um, Open SFX is like an open project um, where they kind of. Uh, it's not a company where you can buy a motion system. It's a project where they, uh, you know, where they basically create one and you can, um, you can, it'll tell you what pieces you need to buy to, to create it. Um, it'll give you, you know, as far as what, uh, what actuators you would need, what, uh, servos, what controllers, um, there's some 3d printing involved. So they would give you the, uh, the uh, printout for the uh, 3D printed parts. So, um, so some companies are actual real companies, from what I understand, are, you know, basically just saying, well, if you come to us, we'll just give you all this stuff together. So, um, so they actually actually do sell the um, as a one solid piece. So you don't have to worry about. 3D printing anything or anything like I got a lot of this information from Steve Thompson from OBRL, him and uh, Coco Puffs from the league. They've that's how they created their motion systems. That's uh, Coco printed all the stuff, and he shared that information with uh, with Steve, and that's how they built their motion systems. So I talked to Steve about that for a while, and he said, you know, if he if he had to do it again, he would just buy it all together because it can really take a while to get some of these bearings to um to get to you so uh, but um but he said he would do it if he did it again he would just get it all all bundled together so uh that's what i did i ordered one and i just got it yesterday um and it looks really cool looks solid so i'm going to be mounting that system over the next couple weeks as i tear apart my rig and and rebuild it basically so, but apparently uh, the open open source project from SFX 100, they they don't like that they've done that, and they're kind of figuring out how they're going to deal with it at this point. So wait a um, minute, you just my, told my us you bought is, one of these? Uh, not I I did buy an SFX 100 system, but from another company that that basically has one already uh, completed. I didn't have to worry about hunting hunting parts or anything like that. So yeah, I got one. Oh, awesome. Man, I can't believe it. When you showed us the pictures, so tell us exactly what you got in the package. You got the four actuators, and then a cable runs out of those, and then what? Yeah, I got the four actuators. They they came already with the screws and everything together. Um, and then uh, the servos are separate, but they just mount right on the top with a couple of bolts. And then there's a lot of wiring to the four different control and then they all go to one central unit it's called a Thanos uh, controller and uh, that basically is the main controller of the whole deal so uh, yeah so that's all the different parts to it basically and then software uh, software there's a brand um, I forgot what it's called off the top of my head but uh, yeah it's a, it's a software that, that uh, 
calibrates them. It's not SimHub, but um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, let me see. I'm looking it up now. Do you have? There's something that you have to install and run, right? Yes, there's a. You do have to get your, your uh, a program to run it. It's so cool. So tell us a little bit more about your project. Um, we know you're waiting for the goggles, and you're going to have to modify your rig uh, to accept these uh, actuators. So what does that all entail? Well, my the problem that I see is first of all, I built a, a base. It's like about an eight-inch tall base that it's on, and uh, it's not big enough for the actuator. So I got to expand it, you know, probably about ten inches wider, to uh, to get the rig to fit on it with the actuators attached. And the other issue I have is I kind of hit all my wires by running them down the uh, eighty twenty and through the bottom, hit all my wires underneath that base or a good bit of them at least. Well, if the rig is going to be moving up and down, it's going to be you know, rubbing on the holes that I have cut out in the base. So I don't want that. So I'm going to have to pull all the wires out from underneath the base and rewire everything up above so I don't so I don't have that issue. So that's going to be take a long time, taking all these wires apart, taking the rig off, set you know, rebuilding the base, and then reattaching everything with the new system. So, you know, it's a almost a blessing in disguise that I'm having issues with my headset because I'd probably be down for a couple of weeks just to do all that stuff anyway. Well, unbelievable. <laughs> you got that, man. Only you would find an issue of that like that, Brian. You go out and keep spending What's... money. <laughs> oh, my headset's down. I might as well go spend another couple thousand dollars. Well, that that's, uh, was actually, uh, I had actually spent before the headset went down. So it was uh, a coincidence than anything. Timing worked out well. So I'm just looking looking on the break side of having this thing broken. Does your wife know about these? Yes, she did. Uh, um, I didn't give her the full disclosure of all the of the costs of it, but I've been doing a lot of extra work on on side side projects that I've been getting some money for that I reinvested in this. There we go, Mike. We need her on as a guest one of these times. No, no. <laughs> Um, she's not available. <laughs> not, she's not available this time of day. She's got, she's really busy. I can she already goes, see it she now. She goes to bed at six o'clock. The uh, third podcast, fa- uh, third member of our podcast family, iRacing Wives. That would be awesome. Well, good luck on the build. Um, keep us informed and we'll follow your progress as you put that thing together. Now, it looks like from your pictures, you got your rig out in the garage uh, so you can work on it there. It's in my basement. It's an unfinished basement. So um, I, I got kicked out of my second floor when I got there. So they started shaking the floor too bad. I was uh, evicted from the second floor. All right. But you got a spot. So good luck. All right. So that's hardware. We're going to jump into results. And results is sponsored by the Ucora 2020 Throwback Indie Series. Um, I don't know if they ran. I think they run every two I, weeks. They they do, and I have. A, I'm sorry, I didn't post the the readout, but I can. I've got it here in Discord if you'd like me to read it. Yes. Okay, so give me just a second. All right, we had a historic fight for Yukura in round 18, as we saw a classic IndyCar racing under the lights at the Daytona Road Course. Uh, Brian Beard secured the iRacers Lounge Pole Award with his inaugural, or at the inaugural. 
with a 132-470. There's a few missteps and one moment that could have changed the entire complexion of the championship battle, but Brian Beard was able to remain composed and soldier on to the victory in the inaugural Grand Prix of Lake Lloyd, all on the heels of major surgery. Shall we dub him Iron Man? We believe so. He managed to stave off the assault by Takeshi Kita and Diego Asinos throughout the race and take the checkered flag. Championship leader Paul Jenkins was involved in the first lap in an incident but battled incessantly to recover the fifth place finish. Diego Esnos moved up from a fifth place starting position to finish second and Takeshi Kita surged ahead from eighth to finish in the third step of the podium. Round 19 will be Thursday, October 22nd at Chicagoland. All right, and we'll get into NIS results. Finish up the Charlotte Roval. Uh, looks like Friday open. Tony Rochette, P16, was crap despite not spinning out and was slow. And then Sunday uh, open. David, you got top split there at P17. Yeah, nothing much to say. It was just, I was slow. I think I was one or two laps down. Nobody, no spins or anything, but that's where I was. All right, take it. It's still points. And that's it for the Roval. Move on to Kansas. Wednesday Open. David, you got the best result, P3. Absolutely stolen. Uh, I was a mid-pack car, and I think most of my frustrations with the set were just because I was out of sequence on the tires. I didn't get to pit the second time around because iRacing told us almost almost too late that I needed to let somebody by. It, um, so I ended up going ahead and staying out and keeping the track position. Uh, then we had the long run and struggled, struggled, got, got a wave around and paid off with a caution right when the leaders were about to catch me. Um, and then all of that bad luck with the tire strategy turned into good luck with the tire strategy and, uh, avoiding a couple of accidents, including an almost really bad accident where we caught lap cars in a really bad place and they were running on the inside. Uh, just got lucky, survived it all had fresh tires and a taped up car and was able to race up to p3 i was pressuring p2 and got just a little too loose on the last lap to push him i don't think i would have gotten to p1 all right nice run though uh i ran and wrecked out in the second caution on lap 22. i couldn't miss it i actually dove low and went fast to try to get by but the car uh came back down the track and i t-boned in and it killed the motor the front, the front right wheel was up above the fender, like sticking up in the air. I mean, it was bad. I, I think it was 44 minutes of required and four optional. So yeah, I was done. And Greg, I think you got wrecked out as well early. Uh, I was having major issues PC wise last night um, to the point where I am redoing the whole thing starting tomorrow night again. So I'm gonna... <laughs> wipe it all and start from scratch um i'm just not having any luck recently um with frame rate problems and just getting things to run properly so i'm just gonna start from scratch and see from there but i got wrecked because um something happened with an update in windows and it turned off all my sound and for some reason it screwed with the sound for my externals spotter that i use for crew chief um and then i turned on the spotter and i racing after i noticed it 
um, on the first caution and I ended up going down the front stretch, was on the outside of a car and all of a sudden it said three wide when I thought I was two wide and uh, I kind of net coded with a guy. I think it was more net code maybe, I don't know. Um, but uh, we got in a wreck and I just packed it in. I got to start over here and start uh, getting this thing to run better before I race more. Reinstall windows, huh? Everything. I'm going to restart from scratch. Yeah, I just recently reinstalled, uh, but that is the thing with Windows Update is it it jacks up all the sound settings every time. Well, the other thing is, is I had set my... I was talking a couple weeks ago, I think, about... Uh, setting my 5.1 in Windows uh, around or set up, well, it reverted it back to stereo sound. As soon yep. as I went racing, I was like, this doesn't sound right. It changes all the settings, so you know, um, I don't have the 5.1, but I have some of my sounds going direct to my headphones. I have other sounds that are routed around so that they don't go onto the stream, and I have to redo that every time there's a Windows update. They have those windows, okay. Um, I was bummed. I. You know, I didn't get to finish or run much at all last night to see how the set was. But I did run earlier today in the Thursday Open P21. It was a crappy finish, but a great race for me. I actually led laps and was one of the fastest cars out there for sure. Uh, ran top 10 basically most of the race. Um, it was Marcelo, Jonathan Dickert, me, there was another guy. There's about four fast cars there that, that could have won. I think Dickert ended up winning. Um, but it was the tire strategy that killed me. And so I did what I always do at the beginning of the race. I said, hey, Siri, you know, what's three, you know, 134 divided by five? And it tells me 27 or something. And so I decide I'm going to get tires every 27 laps by average. And that's kind of how it played out. I think the first one was at 20. And then I went another 25 and then I got tired. So it was it was close to that pattern. And so as I approached the end of the race, my last set was taken with 30 to go on a caution. And that screwed me because 15 laps later, there was another caution and about most of the drivers went and got their last set of tires and I didn't have one. And guess what? I went from first the 21st in like no time at all and so I just screwed myself on the tires I should have stayed out early and, uh, and and saved one of those sets for later in the race but I blew it and uh, but but anyway confidence is high because the set was good we were fast we were one of the fastest cars out there and I was running with the with the top guys so I'm very happy with how we ran but I need some points really looking forward to uh, tomorrow night uh, where I'm going to put it all together. I'm going to make sure I don't pit early uh, and save a set of tires for the end because you, you need them at, at Kansas because there were times when you'd get new tires on, you could drive it up through there. If those guys were just on even only 10 lap older tires, you go right by them. I mean, and it's fun as heck to drive, uh, you know, from 21st up to first. Well, tires and the tire lottery or tire gamble is a part of the game now. You know, it's a uh, that's what had me running in the back for most of that race, and then at the end, I still still had a set of tires in the garage, and had slapped on new tires with uh, seven laps to go. Well, initially, I think my plan 
was solid, you know? Hey, I'll get tires every 27 laps. It'll work out perfect. But you really need to have a set for that late caution, don't you? I should call it the green-white checker set. It, it, it helps, but um, yeah, it definitely helps, but it just depends on how it all plays out. Green-white checker, you, you won't get enough positions. Eight to 10 laps to go, I, that's why I did go ahead and take take the tires because I was running I don't know 14th or 15th and a combination of the wrecks and just being on the fresher tires considering about eight people stayed out to keep the track position I think then there's enough time to make a difference but I wouldn't do it with green right checkered but it does come come handy to have that last set left on the same token if you have a big long green flag run in the middle you can end up a lap down which is what hap happened to me early uh, I had we had two cautions within 20 laps and then it ran all the way to like lap 100 yeah it's all you got to figure out that tire so I'm gonna we're really gonna try hard tomorrow night not to screw that up so uh, the other thing about Kansas is man you I was digging on the bottom I mean digging digging like flying by these guys like right down on, on the apron or near the apron uh, and if they go high at all and but Greg, you were warning me, man, I'm burning up my tires down on the bottom. Well, it's contradicting uh, what we've, um, we've been, the, the one thing about having the schoolyard setups um, and dealing with, uh, we were, I was going to talk about this in the, uh, my final thoughts, but um, dealing with uh, them as our sponsor, um, it's uh, a friend of mine and Obviously, you know, his, Mike Morley, he's probably well known in the uh, oval side for building sets. Um, it's his site. It's his, it's his setups that he's been building. Um, he's been working. Anything that we were kind of asked, you know, we give him feedback and stuff, and it's it's been helping um, create sets for him. But uh, he was warning us the way that that set was going to work would work on the top for... Um, keeping keeping the tire temperatures down. Yeah, I think I was flying up there on the bottom, no problem. But then my tires, once I hit lap 16 or so, yeah, they were toast, and and I was starting to fall back. Yeah, the set set was good. I like I I, I was talking to Mike about it today. He asked for some feedback on it. I said I can't give you anything. I, I I don't even feel comfortable sitting in my rig. So I told him I couldn't give him any, any feedback on it. Nothing was working for me yesterday, so I can't say. If it was my rig or it was a setup, right? Well, after my run today, it wasn't the setup. I, I thought the set was great. Um, like I said, it was one of the fastest cars out there for sure. Trust me, and we need, you know, he's he's seen some traffic from, from us, but if you guys need set that's going to run good in the ovals, um, in any of the A, B, or C cars of the oval side, um, Go to the go to schoolyard setups and, and and get the set get signed up with them. It you're you're not going to regret it. The sets are really really well done, and he puts a lot of time into them. He's also using me as a test dummy, pretty pretty closely. Did he say the test part before it though? <laughs> as the, okay, let's keep moving. <laughs> David, you got to run the triple crown. I'm glad one of us did, uh, and you got P7. Hang on, um, I'm trying to recover from that one. Okay, I'm okay now. I feel better. You want me to send some snow up to get that burn gun? So, Y'all got snow? I haven't seen not, snow in like three years. 
we get a snow here every every three years or so depends um no I th we get one like one snow winter uh several of us ran i think i was the only one who actually finished uh p7 i was in the third split and interestingly enough uh G gsrc ended up covering our split instead of top split uh and i know this because one of the guys is our is an elite west teammate uh who did the coverage and i ended up getting a lot of airtime because between seventh and tenth place we were all running right in a pack for the whole race and that was the leader was a lap ahead of almost the entire field i think he lapped all but five cars uh, so they were covering us mostly uh and I, I passed, I went from 10th to like 7th in the last 10 or 20 so laps and was the highest finished Ferrari and got a, it was pretty neat. I got a lot of TV time and that, that's definitely an ego boost. Um, so P7 in third split. All right. I, I ran, I ran it to my, I had a glitch in the race where um, that last chicane coming on the front stretch there, I bounced off. I bounced the curb and shot me a little bit closer to the wall. And as soon as it touched the wall, the wall sucked me in and I got stuck to it. It was kind of, <laughs> kind of glitched where I was just stuck in the wall by just touching it. So I don't know. I never did take a replay or anything of it. I, I didn't think of it till afterwards. I should have sent it in, but yeah, I got stuck in the wall and had to tow and it was my, I had like 40 minutes of damage. There's no way that I could recover from it. Okay, and then other official racing, I skipped the sprint car at Five Flags because I don't own the track uh, this week. Uh, but I did run NASCAR Legends 87 car at Daytona and uh, got a P16, uh, yuck. But I did run as high as third before being caught up in two wrecks near the end. And this was top split with uh, the good guys, the, those guys that run this car all the time that are really fast. And uh, I was holding my own up there in the top five. I never got to the lead, but um, I felt good about the run I had. Now, I haven't had a chance to run it since. I do think I'm gonna start uh, one of these races tonight though, and see if I can get a better result. I did get to run the, the Yakura League race last week. However, I got the same bug where somehow my fuel got unchecked. Uh, I've rearranged my buttons on my steering wheel to see if, to just ensure that it's not me accidentally hitting it. And so far, so good. And then last night, um, Adam and Tom Dryling ran, what did they run? Uh, super late model somewhere? Nashville. Nashville, yeah. I don't know how they finished. It was some league. And then, uh, Brian, you skipped the OBRL, Tony? Yeah, I skipped it. I'm still, still not ready to do anything with my headset yeah i was i was trying to make it out there uh this past week but i just i just got caught up in life Some things happening outside of outside of sim it happens all right let's jump into final thoughts brian mcgovern okay. okay guys um first of all i wanted to say that uh the the program i was thinking of for the motions is called sim tools it's a motion simulator software so um so obviously i got a lot of work to do coming up getting ready for this uh build um i did get um i did get the, my headset working enough to mess around in the skippies last week which is a really fun car to do and uh, i did a race at end, but it was kind of just like i was it was an open setup and i was just using the baseline setup so it wasn't anything to write home about i think i got eighth out of like 
15 or 20 cars, something like that. But uh, it's a great series, and uh, I'm looking forward to get back into everything, and I'm having OBR uh, withdrawal. I bet. Well, you're going to have motion soon, so looking forward to that. David Hall, final thought. Um, after having that decent finish in Kansas, as well as having a pretty good two-week run in IMSA and ILMS, I had a, a little bit of a milestone of combined pavement I rating of six thousand, so I was pretty excited about that. Is that a thing? It was six. It, it, well, yeah, you can add it up. Yeah, in fact, the majors you have to. If you apply for the majors, they determine whether you're going to be pro or sportsman based on your total I rating in the two divisions. Um, so, I if you add up my oval and my road course, it was over six thousand, which was pretty exciting. That is pretty exciting. I just added mine up. I'm a little, I'm a little above thirty seven hundred. So yeah, I need some work to catch you. Well done, Greg uh, Hectus. Final thoughts? Um, I got not much. I'm not going to be racing probably much this weekend. We'll see. I'm gonna. I'm trying to get the PC ready for the uh, Sunday uh, Triple Crown to go to Laguna Sega. Hopefully it'll be. Hopefully I'll have everything back and set up. I'm going to focus a lot on it on tomorrow night and Saturday. Um, but, uh, yeah. Is it the triple um, crown every other week? No, it's every, it's the three Sundays in a row here. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, we have a set from, well, I'm sure there's other sets from where we got. We also have one from schoolyard setups as well for it. Um, but yeah, um, definitely go and uh, visit that site and, uh, and get the setups for those for the oval cars. Uh, he wants to expand his site eventually, but um, you know he's still small. It's a small operation here, but he spends a lot of time creating these setups. So um, make sure you use that referral code of two two zero seven one two four if you sign up, um, just to let him know that you heard it here from the lounge, Irish's Lounge. Um, I think we're going to be putting making sure that it's in our description and everything every week too for the podcast, so that you can find it there and. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I'm glad we have that uh, sponsorship with uh, Mike there, Mike Morley and uh, his setups. All right, yeah, and I thought the set was great this week. Uh, every ever since we've been working with him, I, I thought we've done really well. So uh, thank you to Mike and and Greg for uh, working that out. Tony Groves, final thoughts. Looking forward to Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, my final thought is going to be all about this Saturday. Uh, you know, come listen to the aftermath guys. Um, uh, call the ladies race. Uh, be uh, nine o'clock Saturday night. Uh, look for it on the uh, OBRL uh, streaming. All right, I'm looking forward to watching that. That should be fun. All right, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, it's uh, nice to get a good run. Well, it wasn't a good run at Kansas, but I uh, not a good finish, but it was a good run. And uh, now I just need to get that finish. And uh, boy, we're really getting down to the end of the season here. You know, uh, we talked to Evan. We're on the week to week now with the Coke race as we go into the final stretch. And we only have a few races left with the NIS. And uh, boy, it's winter. Uh, Got to start thinking about what we're going to run in the winter. I know Alan Pajari is uh, going to do his winter league again. Uh, I don't know if I'm involved in that, but I do know one of our teammates, uh, Adam Jocelyn, got an invite, he said, uh, to that event. So looking forward to see what Alan's got in store for us um, and uh, looking forward to a great uh, rest of the season. So with that, we'll see you on the track later. Later.
you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.